So, so Ryan Chivington, you guys got to meet Ryan last week. He kicked off the series in Philippians. How'd he do? Yeah. So, so somebody said to me, Hey, did you listen? Did you listen to Ryan last week? Or, or did you see Ryan last week? And I said, no, uh, I didn't see him, but I listened to him, uh, after afterwards on, on the, uh, podcast app. So I wasn't aware, but apparently he decided to quit preaching at 722. And I can't believe that you guys did not boo him out of this building, right? For preaching such a short service. He's not help. He's not preaching again. That's it. I told him, right? You were in shock. I was in shock when I heard it, right? So uh, we're in Philippians chapter two. And here was the line that Ryan sort of keyed in on last week uh, that we're going to build on throughout this entire book. And that's this. Don't settle for less than God's best. Now, listen, there was a time in my life where I would have heard a statement like that. And I would have thought, oh, I hate those statements. Right. They sound so health and wealthy. Right. They sound like a health and wealth gospel and all of this stuff. Listen, here's what we know from Scripture. God does have a purpose and a plan for every one of you. Right. The Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith. And everybody who's saved says what? That was a good Right, the Bible says that you're saved by grace through faith, and everybody who's saved says, thank you, right? But it says this, that in that salvation, you become God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared a long time ago for you to walk in them. God has a best for all of you. God has a best plan for all of you. He has a purpose for all of you. And settling for less than God's plan for us is settling for less than God's best. Would you agree with that, church? Absolutely. And the reality is how many of us even know what God's plans are for us? Most of us don't even know what they are. Therefore, we don't even know if we're settling. You see, the reality is, is that settling for less than God's best is settling for less than what God has planned for you. And so we kicked off the series last week in chapter one, and we continue it in chapter two, and we're going to build on that notion of settling for less than God's best in an area that we're all incredibly familiar with. Here's what Paul writes in Philippians 1.27. He says this, whatever happens, now remember, Brian said this, Paul's writing this letter to a church, the first European church, right, planted He's writing this from prison. We don't know exactly where. He's going to send it back with Epaphrodites who was sent by this church to care for Paul while he was in prison. He says, so in this letter, whatever happens, whatever happens, because there's so many unknowns. Listen to this. Conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here's that word. Bring that, bring that verse back up. The word conduct Right? The word conduct comes from the Greek word to act as a citizen of a certain city. There's an expectation for every believer that we should conduct ourselves in such a way that people recognize where we are from. Listen, there's no doubt in the midst of COVID where pe- there's no doubt in the midst of COVID when people run into people from Florida. Right? 
We're sort of handling COVID a little bit differently around here. It's a little bit like the Wild West in Volusia County, right? My friend lives in Illinois. And when he tells me about now they're shutting down restaurants inside and out, right? They closed up, they backed up. I mean, they're living in the dark ages in Illinois. And I'm thinking to myself, we're, we're wide open down here in Florida, right? Right? Listen, everybody knows, everybody knows who's from Florida during COVID. Here, here's what Paul says. Everybody should know by your behavior where you're from. And our citizenship is not in this world. It's in the world to come, right? We don't belong here. We're foreigners and aliens and strangers. So he says, conduct, live like a citizen of the city you're from. Listen to this, do it in a manner worthy of the gospel, right? I got a picture of a scale. So here's the picture of a scale. Let me, let me go here. I'm, I'm still trying to get used to this thing, right? So here's the way this scale works. You put something on one side and then to find the, the thing that's of equal or greater value, you have to put something over here to balance it out, right? The Greek word for worthy is this picture here, right? The Greek word for worthy is your life, your life needs to be lived in such a way that when it gets on the scale, it meets the measurement of what's expected of you. Don't settle for less than God's best. Your life should create a balance to what God has planned for you. That's a life that's worthy. You see, we hear the word worthy and we immediately think, I've been a drug addict, right? I've been arrested. I've lost my family, my home. Right? We think about the secret sins that we do in, in, our, in our private lives, whether it's, whether it's drink to excess or whether it's watch porn or whatever it is. We think of those things and go, live your life in a manner worthy. We'll never get there. That's not the word. The word is live a life that when you put it on the other side of the scale, it's equal to the purpose and the plan that God has for you. Because listen, if you're trying to live a life worthy by making your performance perfect, you might as well quit. You're never going to get there, right? The worthiness comes from living the life that meets out the opposite side of the scale. And the reality is, do you know how many Christian people aren't even close to living a life that's balancing out the scale? That's why the testimonies of the people who find their purpose in life are so powerful to all of us, because we wonder what is our purpose? I had a conversation with a guy yesterday who told me a guy who loves Jesus, who's so mature in his faith. And yet his situation over the last year has been so complicated that he's found himself asking this question. Do I have any value or worth to God? And he's not the only one. It's happening all the time. Oh, we love church. Right? We love coming and hearing the testimony from Teen Challenge. We love those things and we want to be a part of them. But those things last for only a second and they're gone. And I've got to figure out why am I here. Paul says, live a life that's worthy. Live a life that meets out the same amount of weight against what God has planned for you. Don't settle for less than God's best. That's why we tell you, come to church, be a part of a community group, get on a mission trip, start serving somewhere. Because listen, you won't know what God's made you for till you try something. You just don't know, right? If you sit around and you say, I'm scared, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, do something. You might be an abject failure at it. Who cares? 
Tomoka specializes in abject failures, right? That's why I got hired, right? It's part of it. Thank you, Maria, right? Listen, that's part of the reality. Don't let your fear or the lie of the devil keep you from trying to figure out what your purpose is. Because until you meet out that scale and balance it out, you're always going to be struggling for purpose and meaning. So here's what Paul says in chapter 2. Paul says this. Here's, here's the big takeaway from chapter 2. Don't settle. Don't settle. I think, I think you might have that, David. Right? Don't settle for less than God's best in your relationships to each other and to the world. Right, there's a lot, listen, there's a lot of theology in chapter 2 of Philippians. But the overall context that Paul writes from his prison cell to a church he helped plant is this. There's a best, there's a plan for all of you when it comes to your relationships. Don't settle for less than God's best in those. And listen, if there's a topic that's more appropriate for our season that we're living in. Listen, we thought it was bad coming up to the election. It's gotten to be an abject disaster since then, right? We're living in a more divided country now than we ever were, right? We've got COVID still hanging over our heads. We've got the CDC changing guidelines every other day. We got people becoming more divided over masks and, and whether we should do this or that. We've got all kinds of issues on our plate and all of them have to do with how we interact with another person, right? Republicans versus Democrats and blacks versus white and blue lies versus black lives and all lies versus these lies. And it's all, all about how we interact with people. And here's the thing, church, God has a plan for how our relationship should be. That is his best, his best plan for all of us. Paul gives three, I'm going to go through them really quickly here. Three characteristics that if you and I implement, we'll have the best, the best for our relationships to each other and to those people in the world. Here's the first characteristic. Agreed. Everybody say agreed. Agreed. I, I don't know if there's anything more complicated in a relationship than coming to an agreement. Right? I mean, everybody, not everybody, but lots of comedians make fun of, of this, of this relationship. Right? The husband says, where do you want to go eat tonight? And the wife says, I don't care. And the husband says, well, how about Mexican? No, I don't want Mexican. Right? And you, you, you know how this story goes, right? How many of you have ever had to fight the dumb fight over that? Okay. Some of you are just lying, lying, lying in church. Right? But you pick the topic. Listen, we've all had those dis- listen, we've all had those agreements. What do you, what do you want to do today? Well, I don't care. Well, how about if we do this? No, nah, I don't want to do that, right? What do, what 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 movie you want to watch? I don't care, just pick one. Uh, how, how about how about Rambo 12, right? No, I don't want to watch it. Too much blood and guts, right? How about how, how about how to lose how about how to lose a guy in 10 days? No, that's a stupid romantic comedy, right? We because you know what? Coming to an agreement is a really hard thing to do. It's just really complicated. Here's why. Because we all have our likes and dislikes. We all have our opinions and our sentiments, right? It is a really complicated thing to come into agreement. Listen to what Paul says that gives us our best in relationships. Hebrews chapter, Philippians 2, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, leave it there. Bring that verse back up. Anybody have any encouragement from being united with Jesus, say amen. Amen. Right? 
He says, if you have any courage being with Christ, next one. If any of us have any comfort from God's love, anybody got any comfort from God's love, right? How about any common sharing in the spirit? Come on. If you were here tonight, you had a common sharing in the spirit, right? Right. When teen challenge shared their testimony, there was a common sharing. How about if any tenderness and compassion, anybody got any of that? Right. Say amen. So he's talking to us. Here's what Paul says. If you do, then make my joy complete. How? How does he say to make his joy complete? Be like-minded, have the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Go back to the, go back to that previous screen real quick, David. He says that you should make his joy by being like-minded. Everybody say like-minded. This is how, this is how aggravating the Bible can be when you read it and study it. Here's what the Greek word for like-minded mean. Share the same opinion. Share the same sentiment. And you ask, that seems unrealistic for two human beings that are raised in different places, right? How is it possible for us to have the same opinion? It's not complicated, church. You want to know how you do it? You always move toward the center of what the other person wants. Somebody always has to give ground. Somebody always has to say, what's more important, us being like-minded or me getting my way? Everybody has that choice, don't you? Listen, you may not pause in the middle of your fight and say, you know what? I've got a choice here to be like-minded with this person who I completely disagree with or, or I have the ability to fight for what I believe is right in my opinion. And you know what most of us do? Who claim to be citizens of heaven? We fight for our opinion. We fight because we think we should stand up for the truth. When the reality is the truth you're fighting for is generally not God's truth, but your own. And what we do, and most of the times, is we ruin what could be the best of a relationship by not wanting to live in agreement. You know, you'd have thought being married 31 years and having five kids would have taught me that. I can tell you it has not. Okay. It's made it more complicated, but I can tell you this working at Tomoka for 11 years has taught me that because the most important thing that I do in my life every day is live out the call that God placed on my life. And I could tell you from working here and serving here for 11 years, this concept of being in agreement has been challenged almost daily because listen, I'm a smart man, right? I'm a smart man. I know a lot of stuff and I usually, I usually think I'm right. Now I know that surprises you guys. I know, right? But I'm a smart person who thinks he's right most of the time. Thank you. And, and the reality is I work with a bunch of people who think they're right most of the time too. And the difference is I'm the boss, right? But here's what I can tell you. Being right is not as important as the relationship that God puts in front of me. It's just not. And the thing that God has taught me over and over and over and teaches me every day in this place is I can either fight for what I believe is right or I can learn to live in agreement so the relationships that I have aren't less than God's best. Listen, you can apply that in your marriage. You can apply that in your, with your kids. You can apply that with your neighbors and your coworkers. Is it almost an impossible standard? Yes, from human standards, it is. It's just impossible, right? 
But with the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not just possible, right? It's probable. It's expected. That's how we do. How do you think Jesus got to the cross? He kept his mouth shut. Was he right about everything? (laughs) Unlike me, who thought he was, Jesus was. And he kept his mouth shut. Why? Because being in agreement is an attitude that we practice so that our relationships can be the best that God expects for them. How about this one? Let me, re- let me read a verse to you. Matthew 16, 21 and 23. This is where this word is used in scripture. This was Jesus having the conversation with his disciples at Caesarea. Peter had just said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And Jesus said, you're the best, right? I'm going to build my church right on that statement. And the gates of hell and death will not prevail. High moment for Peter when Jesus praises him. Would you agree, church? Right? Then here's what Jesus did. Jesus thought, I'll take advantage of this great moment. Here's what I'll do. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hand of the elders. What a, what a perfect moment to share his plan. Peter had just said, you're the Christ. You're the guy who's come to fulfill the prophecies. You're going to die. So he says, I'm going to do this at the hand of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he would be killed, but on the third day raised to life. Peter took Jesus. And in the Greek, that means he grabbed him, grabbed the son of God and pulled him over to give him a finger in the face and began to what? Rebuke him. And here's what he said. Never Lord. You're wrong, Jesus, right? This shall never happen to you. Look at Jesus's response. He turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Why did he call him Satan? Here's why. You're a stumbling block to me because you do not have in what? Mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. That phrase mind, right? In mind, the concerns of God. It's the same Greek word used in Philippians chapter two. You're not willing to live in agreement with me, Peter. You're not willing to keep your right, what you think is right, quiet because you would rather be right than to focus on being in agreement with me. How often do we do that? If you're like me, you probably do it a lot more often than you need to be. And here's what I know. Every time you do, every time you do, you settle for less than God's best in your relationship. Here's the second one. Everybody say the word. Come on, everybody online, everybody in here, say it like you mean it. Humbled, right? Humbled. Listen, let's be clear. Humbled isn't about thinking less of yourself. It's about thinking more of others than you do yourself. It's the Greek word means position, right? It's all about position, right? We think humility is, I'm such a terrible person. You're so much better than me. No, no, no. That's either pity or that's false humility, Right? Humility is looking at somebody and going, you know what? What you need and what you want is far more important than what I need and what I want. That's humility. It's about placing somebody in the order ahead of you. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 3. Do nothing. Everybody say nothing. Do nothing. How, that, that includes everything. So do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Right? I don't need to explain to you what selfish ambition is, right? But I am, I am. Here's what it means in the Greek, selfish ambition. It's used, listen to this. The word for selfish ambition is used to describe a mercenary for hire. A mercenary, 
right? A military guy who's been hired, right? To do a certain job. And a mercenary takes the job to serve his own financial interest, right? A mercenary is a guy who says, I'll do this, but here's what I'm going to get in return. I'm going to get X amount of dollars. Do nothing as a mercenary or vain conceit simply means empty glory. It's like throwing yourself a parade, right? Do nothing as a hired mercenary with vain glory, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others, right? Here's the great about that Greek word for value others. It's used to reference a governor or a high official who deserves to be honored out front. Did you hear what Paul said? He said, in your relationship to other people, don't treat, listen, don't enter into relationships doing things that serve your own interest. The whole purpose of using the word for mercenary is to give you a word picture that a mercenary gets hired, yes, to do a job, but why did they take the job? To serve their self-interest. So here's what he says, when you interact with people, don't do things that serve only your self-interest so that you can receive empty glory, but rather treat others like a valued diplomat, a valued, a valued official, and give them the glory and the honor in your interactions. Wow. How would that change things at home? How would that change marriages? How would that change husbands toward wives and wives toward husbands and parents towards their, their, their children? We, you know, we talk about, you know, I've heard, I've, if I've heard this word once in my life from a parent, I've heard it a million times. I deserve respect. Right? You know, and I, I'm going to be honest with you. The Bible says a child should honor their parents. Amen? But we've raised these children, have we not? Right? And respect and children are like me and the Packers. They don't go together, right? Or me and the Lions. They don't go together, right? Sorry. Right? So, at times, when you deal with people who are less than perfect, you and I, to receive the best of God's intentions in our relationship, sometimes we just have to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain or empty glory, but give the value to the other person as if they're the high official that deserves it by showing up. Is that easy? Oh, come on, man. It's one of the most complicated things Jesus ever asked us to do. And in the world that we live in today, in, in, in our society... With COVID and mass dividing and with racial injustice dividing and with politics dividing, with the unresolved election dividing, with everything that seems to come up dividing. Is it more complicated? Yep. Yep. But imagine a world where those who conducted themselves as if you could recognize what city they were from, humbled themselves and treated other people with more esteem than they wanted for themselves. It's not complicated to see what that would do, is it? Listen, here's what he goes on. Bring that, bring that verse back up if you don't mind, David. Not looking upon your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, 
have the same mindset as Jesus, which was what? Who, being in very nature God, God and Jesus were equal, equal in their nature. They were the same. God existed in nature in the form of God, of Elohim, and he existed in the form of Yeshua, Jesus. The same nature. And here's what Jesus did with being in the same nature as God. He didn't consider that equality something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't walk onto the planet and go, I'm, I'm God. Put me in the front of the line. Treat me with nothing but respect and honor. And if you don't, I'm going to smite you down. He didn't do any of that. Could he have? Of course he could have. He was the same nature of God. The God of the universe who created everything with a word. It says, rather, what did he do? He made himself what? Everybody say the word nothing. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. What did he do? And being found as in, in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. How many of you are grateful that Jesus decided that the best, the best in his relationship with us was to be humble, right? You want to know how people find Jesus? By finding Jesus followers who are willing to do the same for them. It's not complicated. You want to see your son or your daughter grow in their love and their trust in Jesus? Deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow him. And you know what it takes, parent? It takes humility. Husbands, do it to your wives. You know what it takes? It takes humility. Because you've got to consider yourself nothing. Nothing. Why? Because we're not here to settle for less than God's best in our relationships. We're just not. Be, listen, be in agreement. Be humble. And lastly, here's the third one. Everybody say this word. We've got to learn how to be quiet. Here's what Paul says. Listen, here's what Paul says. Everybody read. Everybody online. Everybody in here. Let's read this together. Do everything without. Let's read it one more time, right? Let's read it one more time. This time with some, this time with some, some hope and some fire. Do without. Why does God put those verses in the Bible? Why couldn't he have just said, do some things, right? No, he says, do everything. The the Greek word for grumbling, the Greek word for grumbling is this idea of this low. Grumbling isn't, isn't loud in the Greek. It's quiet, right? It's muffled. You know what it's like? It's like people who are in there talking like, can you believe what those people are doing? That's grumbling, right? And you know what grumbling does? Grumbling is like the seeds that you plant that make their way through the crowd and they build up as they go, right? Do all things like you go, to, oh, you got time for lunch this week. And then you go to lunch. With, can, can you believe what's going on at the church? Can you believe that Pastor Cord said that? Can you believe that's grumbling, right? Because all you're doing is planting this little mumbled seed so it'll plant because what comes from grumbling 
Arguing. You know what arguing is in the Greek? It means the back and forth between two human beings who are living in disagreement. And you know what Paul says? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. In the English, that means be quiet. Do you know how much better? Listen, I'm a talker, as you can tell, right? You know, Ryan... Ryan's back there in the back, right? So I said to Ryan today, you know, he's, he, 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 Ryan's such a kind, humble guy. Is he not, right? He's, he's good looking. He's funny. Nobody's going to say amen or clap or anything, right? Sorry, Ryan. I, I don't know what's going on, right? But, but Ryan, I, I said I was going to give Ryan some grief tonight about, about, about cutting it out at 722, right? He said he looked at the clock when he knew it was getting close to his sermon and he still had 15 minutes left. Right. He said, I thought to myself, I, I ain't got anything left to say. Right. And I thought to myself, foolish, foolish man. I've always got plenty to say. Right. You want to know the, the other lesson that God taught me since I've come to Demoka? And it's this learning how to be quiet to get the best out of relationships that God wants for us. You know, I always thought the only way to get the best out of a relationship was to always get my opinion out there. Always make sure that people around me knew what I was thinking and feeling. Always felt it was important that, that, that knowledge is power. So get it out there so people can know. You know what God's taught me? God's taught me and he continues to teach me. Silence is golden, right? Listen, do all things without grumbling or complaining. All things without it, right? Bring that verse back up if you don't mind, right? Do all things so that why? Here's why. Listen, why, church? So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Stop right there. Children of God. Matthew 5, 9 says this, that blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the what? Children of God. You want to know how to become a child of God? Talk less, listen more, right? Talk less, listen more. Listen, I want to read this verse to you. You got Romans or First Peter 4, 9. First Peter 4, 9 says this, offer hospitality to one another without what? Don't, don't take advantage of opportunities to plant these seeds and say these things that you want to say. Don't do it. Right? How about this one? Romans 14, 1 through 4. Accept the one whose faith is weak without what? Listen, you and I are constantly faced with people who love Jesus, who probably just aren't as mature spiritually as you are. We all know that you're the most mature people in this church. Can I get an amen? Right? Right? Listen, you and I both know that you're constantly confronted with people whose opinions are clearly uneducated in regard to biblical truth. That's not a negative. I'm making a statement of truth. Do you know how you, do you know how you handle that person? Except the one whose faith is what? Weak, less, without what? Quarreling over disputable matter. Do you know what a disputable matter is? Everything that's not biblical truth. Politics is a disputable matter. Baseball is a disputable matter. What kind of food, vegan, non-vegan, 
right? Gluten, non-gluten, right? All of these dumb things that we get into disputes and arguments with other Christians about. Why? Because they're just not as in tune and mature as we are. Paul says, accept that person without the quarreling, without the disputable matter. Next verse, because one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another's whose faith is weak eats only vegetables, right? The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not Right? And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them in the Greek both. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, he says, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Man, being quiet might change everything in your marriage. It might change everything in your parenting. It might change everything in your relationship with a coworker. It might change everything with the person you're dating. You might be thinking this person ain't right for me. Maybe the reason they're not right is because you're not right. Maybe we're not willing to live in agreement. Maybe we're not willing to be humble. And certainly maybe we're not willing to be quiet. I can tell you this, a life worthy, a life that's conducted in a manner worthy of God is a life that never settles for less than God's best in a relationship. And to do that, we got to learn how to be different than the way we are. We got to learn how to live in agreement. We got to learn how to live humble. And man, we got to learn how to do all things without grumbling or complaining. Amen, church. Amen. Brian's going to be back next week. He's going to jump into chapter three. Promises to me more, more great stuff. So I want you guys pray with me. Father, thank you for this, this, this space. Uh, thank you so much once again for Teen Challenge, for their testimonies. Um, more than anything, Father, for the life change that you've brought to them and the hope that you've given them and the purpose and the plan for which you've made them. We pray for each of them and all of them that they'll find that, Father. Uh, thank you for this church. I thank you for the grace of our children's ministry and accepting uh, the overage. I just, I just thank you for their grace in this, Father. Uh, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he continues to love us in spite of the constant need to teach us. Father, help us to never settle for less than God's best. We pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. God bless you, church.